Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot round! I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you gonna get me the oh, ball? Oh, I'm getting the, oh, the, the ball! Get the ball! Get the ball! I hope he didn't kill somebody. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I got a whole lot of money. Yummy for me. Bottle keep popping that water bath. It's 11 personnel. I'm Nick Roush. He's Adam Luckett. And the Kentucky Wildcats are both both champions of the world. Eight wins. Man, that feels good. You Eight and five is a lot better than seven and six. How many times have we been able to say eight and five? I guess it was the Woodson year with... 06, 07. Yeah. And... Last year. That's it. 18, In our 19. lives. Yeah, yeah, it is. Three times. I guess the, the previous would have been the 80s. And I think one of those years, the Hall of Fame, one year they won. They those, won nine games, I think. That year. Yeah, they beat Wisconsin that year. I think they went nine and three. How we, It's so unforeseen that you would play the same team in the same bowl game in consecutive years. It would never happen nowadays. They play Wisconsin back-to-back years in the Hall of Fame game, 83 and 84. Or 84 and 85, one of those two. It, uh, I think it happens more than you think. Uh, Wisconsin played Miami two years in a row. The year Miami was in the Orange Bowl. Not in the same bowl game, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. That's even that's weirder true. about it. It's yeah. like, hey, we're just going to do this whole thing all over again, which um, I guess now is the part of the podcast where we – it's in memoriam for bowl season. It's pretty sad to see it go, Adam Luckett. I enjoyed this bowl season an awful lot. Yeah, the only thing that was a real bummer – so the calendar year was great, giving us two bye weeks throughout the season, really spaced things out. But it really crunched up the bowl calendar. There was a couple Saturdays that had like, like I think that first game that had the Vegas Bowl. There was like six games that Saturday instead mm-hmm. of spreading the wealth a little bit more and giving us more stuff like the Independence Bowl, like we were recording last time, or just you know some kind of hijinks. Well, since the what happened was the national championship, the national semifinals were supposed to be on New Year's Eve, like when they sold this to the media mm-hmm. people, yeah, or television stations. Said it was going to be on New Year's Eve, and then they were going to have a little break, and then the championship was going to be on the 13th. What happens was they got blasted oh, for yeah. putting it on New Year's Eve, so they moved it up the to the 28th. horrible. But they didn't, because it was already set in stone for that Monday in New Orleans, they didn't want to change the date. So when that happened, that extended it by the bowl season by like an w- extra week. Mm-hmm. So that's why you saw the Gator Bowl being on January 2nd. You saw Louisiana and Miami, Ohio play last night, Monday night. Which that ended hilariously as yes, well. Yes, it did. Man, th- I think the most underrated part about bowl season is just the stupid 
stupidity that just happens. You get Mike Glass like punching somebody in the right. face, you know. You get snapping over a dude's Miami head. Miami getting shut out inches. by Louisiana Tech. Yeah, just the well, just dumb absurdity. In this sport, we don't ever really get a period like that. Like in college basketball, you get those preseason tournaments where things get weird. Like Michigan looks like a number one team this year, and yeah. now look at them. They just got housed by – Michigan State. You get Dayton and Kansas going in overtime, right. you know, in right. the Maui final. Right. But in college football, you don't really get that until after the season. Yeah. Until bowl, bowl season where things get a little wacky because you have a month off after the season's over. You're going to some sometimes cool place, a lot of times not cool place, to hang mm-hmm. out for a week and play a team that you, you don't have much familiarity with. So things can get weird and things can get sideways. And we saw – some things get really sideways. We saw the Eastern Michigan kid, Mike Glass, punch Pittsburgh. You know, like I we just mentioned, we saw Miami get shut out. Mm-hmm. Um, the triple option uh, versus air raid wasn't as right. fun as I hoped it would be. Just because the triple option. They got in a lead early and just. Oh, yeah. yeah. As and soon as Washington State fumbled on that first possession, you're like, well. <laughs> yeah, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Which, man, the the other triple option, I just picked the wrong triple option team for excitement, and that was the Navy game that happened right after the Belk Bowl, which I was. See, I missed that. See, and I was busy blogging away, and the wife's texting me like, oh, my gosh, you will not believe Navy how Navy just won that game. And, you know, I'm just like, okay, they won on the last second field goal. Cool. Well, not until I get a couple bourbons in me afterward. I'm sitting at the hotel bar, and I'm like, they won on a halfback pass on fourth down with 20 seconds ago. We got 40. Wait, what in the wide world of sports I know. is it going on here? I know. That was insane. Um, I think the big takeaways are that we can just banish the Pac-12 and most of the ACC from being able to play competitive sports. Um, Pac-12 soft. Iowa just took it to USC. Utah. How? Okay. That guy, I, I always forget his name, the head coach. Don't even say it. I'm not, I'm not going to learn it just out of spite because you haven't earned the right. Every big game the Utes get, they just blow it. They're like finally like, oh, we, we've done enough for people to actually care about us on the national stage. Well, you know what? I'm never going to care about you, Utes. What's a Ute? Did you just say Utes? Yeah, what are two you two Utes? <laughs> oh, my cousin Vinny. That's uh, yeah. I'm a great <laughs> it's two years in a row where they lost in the Pac-12 championship and then come back and lay a dud. Last year was I remember this because it was in New Year's Eve in Orlando. Had a little action on that Northwestern money line and Northwestern beat them out in the Holiday Bowl, so that was nice. And then this mm-hmm. year, Tom Herman as a dog. In the state of Texas, oh man, it just can't. that was a tough spot for Utah. <laughs> I, I had a hard time seeing them win those games. But for me, there was a lot of shootouts. I think you saw a lot of points in the Orange Bowl. Florida, Virginia gave us an exciting game. Man, Bryce Harris, that's, that's Bryce a, Perkins. Perkins, sorry, yeah, he's fun. Yes, and uh, I was watching that. It was it was kind of bizarre. I couldn't tell if Virginia Tech fans, like I think they were kind of cheering for Virginia, but I wasn't sure. It was right after the. Uh, the Belk Bowl prep rally, and we're eating at a establishment. Favorite place? I, I went there twice. I liked it so much. Duckworth in Charlotte. They had just awesome sauce. Uh, the Carolina, and I love honey mustard kind of stuff. Their Carolina mustard sauce, mustard base, yeah. Bomb dot com. Absolutely love that stuff. One night I had pork and the wings, and the other night I just had wings. So 
Very good, but I was there watching that game, and there were people cheering for Virginia, and I was like, if this Virginia Tech fans, then they're just, something's wrong with them. Because, like, you wouldn't catch Kentucky fans dead cheering for Louisville in a bowl game. Right. Like. Could be that SEC hate. But, like, who would, all right, so here's my question to you, Adam Luckett. Who would Louisville have to play for you to cheer for them in a bowl game? No, no one. <laughs> I I have my I have an answer. I actually have one. What's that? Florida in the Florida, Sugar Bowl. Florida. I was cheering for Louisville. Some of it was because a guy I grew up with um, was their punter, Ryan Johnson. He was my high school quarterback. Only play he gets in, they down at the one. I was freaking pumped for him. He's got Sugar Bowl rings, really cool. But man, I hated Florida way more in Will Muschamp. That was the <laughs> Will Muschamp team that went like, where they go eleven and two. I think they were eleven and one. Yeah, eleven to two after. Yeah, because they lost the SEC championship game. They go to Sugar Bowl and then play the. Well, they lost to Georgia. They that was a playing game. They drew the the, the um, cocktail the, party that year. Really? Georgia went and lost. They uh, had smoked by LSU that year. Okay, okay, okay. And then LSU yeah, got. Yeah, you're right. I, I was thinking out. they just lost in the. So, yeah, but still, they freaking will must champ. Oh, just. I don't like him. Still holding in there. Our boy uh, David Cornette, the shade he throws at Will Muschamp and Brad Crawford on Twitter. <laughs> he had another good one on there today. Which, if y'all aren't following uh, Da Cats eighty six, he's a he's a fun football. He gets follower. after him. That's yeah, for he, sure. He really gets after him. Now, Belk Bowl. Adam Luckett, how was your viewing experience for the Belk Bowl? In your life, you go through a lot of tough things. And I don't mean to make light of that because there's probably a lot of you all that go maybe going through tough times right now. But having to view that from a cubicle was ultimate torture. <laughs> it was one of the, probably the longest three hours of my life. And you have to, for me, it's not like I can just look at it. We don't have very good service in our building. So my, oh. cell, my cell phone service is shoddy. So I'm doing Google pretty much <laughs> refresh on just to get the score and, and where you, people have the ball at. So you couldn't even, like, hack into the company's Wi-Fi either mm-hmm. and just, like, have it rolling. Do they have, like, site blockers? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it was not fun. So uh. my wife texted me updates. I could get – sometimes Twitter would work, sometimes it wouldn't. <laughs> oh, God. Got to take a lunch break, so I got to see, like, a good chunk of the second quarter. But other than that, I told my wife, I don't care – I will never, ever, <laughs> ever do that again. Never. Not, oh man. Not for a million dollars. And so I got to miss <laughs> one of the most exciting games. That's that's in, in, in so recent memory. That's really the big like I I you have my deepest sympathies because I know you obviously went back and rewatched it like probably more than once if I were having to guess, but. That's like that was the one conundrum with that game. Ideal if you don't have to work, but if you got to work on New Year's, like it's right in the middle of the day. It was the one game. It was the one bowl game I knew that if they played there, I probably yeah you weren't going to be able to go to right. We're going to be able to get off. So just kind of stuck, and I'm sure you were like many others who were stuck in this situation. And I just hate to say that it really was like. You can get some bowl games that are just like that. That first Gator Bowl, that was kind of a stinker. Like, Kentucky fumbles first possession. Georgia Tech just triple options you to death. Just like we said with Air Force. Once they scored and went up, it was kind of. Yeah. 
over. And now Kentucky made a run in that game, but it just they never really had a chance though. Because they just couldn't stop the fullback to have. Yeah, yeah. But this game was if not only did it feel like a regular season game, it felt like a rivalry game. Right. I mean, from the pregame atmosphere to the noise in the stands to the fighting each other. I mean, this it was as juiced up of a game as you could ask for or for a, a Belk Bowl. Mm-hmm. Normally, like, come on, you, you know, it's almost like you're going to the Dollar General Bowl or the Little Caesars. It's a step up, but you just think of the Jim McElwain commercials, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not as. But you couldn't have asked for a better atmosphere for a football game, Adam. Like it was incredible. Well, there's a some regionalness regionalness to it because the teams I think have played like 18 times before that meeting. Like when Claiborne was here, I think they played a lot. Mm-hmm. In Kentucky, I think they own the series now 12-6 to 1. So so they've had some success against Virginia Tech. They beat – the last time they played was Frank Beamer's first team, and they beat them in Commonwealth Stadium. So I think there was that. I think, like, if you're asking me, I think Kentucky's scheduling is fine right now, but if they ever were to get another Power 5 team – That'd be a fun one to get. That'd be a fun home-and-home home to have. So, yeah, they – they played in 88, 87. Man, Frank Beamer was there in 80. He was that, there that long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, against the Claiborne teams. Uh, Virginia Tech got a couple wins against them back in the day. But most of their games were in like the 70s. Right. They played every year there for like about seven, eight years in a row. Yeah. That was when Virginia Tech was independent. Mm-hmm. So, and they, I think you only played seven SEC games back then. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. So they had to... Well, there wasn't as many. There was like they play, like back then, they played like a North Carolina, Cincinnati, Virginia Tech, a few other schools near to them, Penn State. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, but, I think there was a lot of uh, a lot of interest in that the pregame stuff. Oh, and then it led into first take showing first take with breaking game. news. I know. When was first take ever breaking news? I know. And I love that we we get their take. I I read something uh today from Jason Kirk of uh SB Nation and it was just the bullet points of Lynn Bowden's game and how it was just pure domination in like all facets of the game. And some of it was the all, like you know, depending on which lens you look through, but the dude is the last dude you ever want to try, talk trash to. And I don't know why. Like, I, I understand there's going to be scuffles at bowl games. In, in Especially the, at those events. Yeah. The, it, it happens all the time. Um, people are going to want to talk trash. Because you can't always have everything perfectly where they're separated and you're, you're, you're not going to interact with other ones going in and out. And in this case, when they were going in and out of the Speedway, dudes from Virginia Tech were like, oh, let's call out Bowden. Let's get under his skin. And it's... He's not the dude that you want to piss off. Right. As Mark Soup said, if he's walking into a back alley, he's walking back out. The other guy ain't. And I love that he got a police escort. <laughs> it was so <laughs> Once bad. Once he put the full pads on. And, and for field. all of you folks that who are high and mighty and holier than thou, and, oh, he shouldn't have played. There's no room in football for fighting. Well, you remember the last time Kentucky beat Florida? Not last year, but the time before that. Those dudes were throwing hands in the middle of the field. And nobody got kicked out. Everybody still played. Folks, this is football. This is a physical game. People get in fights. 
Happens all the time. And then you're like, why does he punch him if he's got a helmet on? Lynn Bowden, you would say he's a cerebral player because not only did he use his bare knuckles and actually hit somebody in the face, he put his dukes up and he did it before the refs showed up to penalize him. Lynn Bowden took it a little too far. <laughs> but if if you were going to take it too far, that was the time frame to do it in before the officials get out there. And, you, you know, if he went out there and didn't play well or the offense stunk it up, Rightfully, they would have took in a lot of backlash. Yeah, yeah. But he didn't. But see, just like the the Louisville Kentucky fight two years ago. Yeah. Lamar Jackson started that fight, but you don't hear anyone say that because he ran all over Kentucky that day. You hear Kentucky throwing trash cans and this and that, and that's all you hear from that game. But well, and then the the other fight that happened before the game at uh, Papa John's Mm -hmm. two years before that is Kentucky in that game if they aren't raising hell before. No, there's a there's a certain aspect of playing with intensity uh, intensity because your guys are juiced up and you could hear the hits in the stadium, right? Because those dudes were jacked. Yusuf Porker was a heat seeking missile. Oh my god, that that targeting that was the only time they called targeting because they assumed they were like, all right, one of these has to be. Uh-huh. But Zach Johnson's hit, mm-hmm. he just blew up. That was that, a great hit. Boogie to Boogie Watson. Yeah, he's going to be a problem next oh, year. Oh, man. He just – But if that's the use of Corker Kentucky gets next year, you better watch out because he's going to light some dudes up. And but, but my point on the whole thing is just there were a lot of there was a lot of stuff going on, and I can understand why people would be upset, this or that, but, you know, it's kind of football. And I think we're learning more about that type of stuff, like – you know, I think some people have maybe been upset about some of the language in the locker room after Jordan writes. Yeah, I know that's just that's kind of what it is. It's what you got to deal right. with when big time football is my like. I know that you don't want to be the you, and you love to like mm-hmm. bash the you for the chains on it, but like you need some of those kind of guys to be. You need some badasses. Well, it's chip on a shoulder. I mean, Mark Stoops is building this. Where the first thing he said in the press conference is that we're not taking a back seat. You know, to nobody. And so you see that through his players. They're not going to get punked. They're the other ones that want to do the punking. I mean, how many times was it was the shoe on the other foot with this Kentucky team? Right. And now they're the ones who are bullying dudes. Now, they got a damn guy named Bully who plays nose tackle. <laughs> <laughs> from Detroit. Right. Some dudes from Detroit, from Youngstown, who had – who. I mean, Lonnie Johnson's from Gary. Like, some dudes who have seen some like, right. stuff. Who are out there now just bullying people? I absolutely love it because I'm a like the fact that Kentucky's winning with defensive football. I just love it. It's not like a I, bunch of smoke and mirrors. I so. think looking back, we can all enjoy it, but I think we can say a couple things. One, Virginia Tech messed with the wrong guy. Yes. Two, Lim Bolden probably went a little too far. Yes. And, th- um, and three, mm-hmm. when it came time to play football, and after the refs. Got, you knew that was coming. They, yeah. they, those 15-yard penalties were coming early. And as soon as they called a, hold, Man, a call a hold on Stenberg, they did it. You knew both first possessions, there were going to be flags on both teams. But once they got through that, the team settled in and played an outstanding college football game. game. Yeah. The, the boogie penalty, too, was complete BS. Where you pushed them in like the collar, and they right. said it was a high hit. Like, right. come on, really? You're calling that? But, but they're going to call when you early. do that. That's what you're. That's what you're asking for. You're going to get that every time from officials when you when you come out and when you do that. So you knew it was coming, 
But after that, you, there was a, it was a really good football game. You never saw a scuffle break out or anything. There was, and then after the game, the teams were dapping each other up. They, they got a little jolly after the Stenberg penalty that they they didn't show on camera, where you know the, the refs, the Big Twelve officials, by the way, took much longer, like, for whatever reason, their protocols there aren't as quick as SEC's. Uh-huh. So how they would communicate, it took them forever. And during that play, when they're waiting to figure out all the penalties, because Virginia Tech had an unsportsmanlike on the back end that gave Kentucky the first down. Uh, uh, offensive language or yeah, something yeah, like that. The offensive language one. But that Kentucky, they were, like, staring each other down during that. I was like, oh, God, nothing happened here. But nothing did happen. They use it uh, – th- there's that fine line they talk about of going over. Stenberg would u- use it at SEC media days. I think sometimes he went over it. But in this game, like, hey, that was a weak sauce hold call. That was, you know. As as he said after the game in the tweet, you know, they always got his number in mind. Um, <laughs> he had an outstanding tweet about the that was, officials. That was <laughs> – it was so good. He's like, you know what, I just appreciate them – Never being consistent on what they're going to call, but always keeping number 71 in their minds. Right. That was outstanding. Uh, the one thing that I, I think the fourth takeaway you missed from the, all the fighting, though, is Steve Klingscale's ability to multitask. My man. <laughs> <sighs> he got – I got to shout out Clint because he got me a little bump on Twitter because I said my favorite part about all of this is that Klingscale is out here – in the middle of it with a chicken finger, eating the chicken finger. And he said, oh, that was a PB&J. <laughs> but, yeah, that was that was oh, awesome. Oh, man. I just – I loved it. And then once the game started, like we said, there was a wide hit. What, what what surprised you from the game? Like The success Virginia Tech had running the ball on Kentucky. Yeah. That surprised me the most. They got them on the edges. Like Well, they did a good job – uh, keeping Kentucky off balance, mixing them up, getting out on the edges, but then hitting them with an inside run. They hit two inside runs, like McLeese's two big runs were yeah. just two inside runs. And those, uh, those Jets, like they, they, for all the talk it's a, that Bud it's a lot Foster, of window dressing for their with their offense, and they, I think they did a really good job keeping Kentucky off balance. Yeah, well, exactly, and like all the talk about Bud Foster, he was the least valuable player of the game. But when Bowden did whatever the hell he wanted, meanwhile, Justin Fuente called a great game as far as knowing when to go tempo and when not to. Mm-hmm. Now there, there were six point six. They averaged six point six four yards per carry in that game. Yeah, that was the biggest number of the Fuente era at Virginia Tech. It was also the most Kentucky gave up all year. Mm-hmm. I think the next closest was like four point four. Right. Um. It really got Kentucky on their heels, and I, I was worried for a, a little because you had seen Kentucky be able to counter punch. To, to keep in it, but you were wondering, like, how long, to, how much can they keep up with? Because this offense isn't designed to put up a big number. How they won the game was essentially winning the middle eight and scoring, uh, and therefore owning the possession battle. Because Virginia Tech scored on six of eight of their regular possessions. Kentucky only forced two punts. The two possessions outside of that were the ones just in the hurry-up drill. At the end of the first half, after a long scoring drive for Kentucky, and at the end of the fourth quarter, after a long scoring drive for Kentucky. So their ability to sustain it and have success in those situations were the reason I think they won the game. Because if Virginia Tech has the ball with two minutes left, 230, 
instead of, you know, just change there at the end, it might be a different story, oh. especially with that kicker they have. This is the part of the podcast where I want to remind everybody that stop panicking when teams are chewing up clock. Like, chewing up clock in late-game situations mm-hmm. is good. The, it's a big part of two-minute football is making sure the other team doesn't get the ball. You saw it on NFL Sundays. It's a little bit different, I think, though. Like, I understand it more when Lynn Bowden's at quarterback. Uh-huh. But you got to – you got to chew up cock, and they played it. They played, I mean, they on that drive. There was that. never really an issue, but the play before the touchdown pass, Lynn Bolden had kind of a scramble where he was able to get out of bounds. Mm-hmm. That was a huge play because if you don't get that, and he maybe throws it or runs it, Kentucky has to waste their last time out. Yeah, and, and then, then you're, you're just throwing looking at in the end zone. Yeah, so getting that play was huge because you got out of bounds. Virginia Tech takes a timeout after that, so then Kentucky gets to kind of regroup. And then you have you're going to have the opportunity for three plays, and you're going to be able to run it at least on one of those plays. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a huge play in the game that not many people are talking about because if he, if that doesn't happen, I don't know if Kentucky can score right there. Let's just stop what we're doing and just focus on that last drive mm-hmm. because uh, a tip your cap to Brad White's defense for getting a stop when they need three and it. out. That was huge. Mm-hmm. It was after the arm punt, I believe, that Bowden had. Yes. Which with field position, well, it, the arm punt was fine, but then they had a big return off of it. So Kentucky lost a big opportunity there because I thought they were in good shape because the offense flipped the field. Yeah. Get a punt, pin them inside the fifteen, get a stop, and you're then you're going to have good field position. Don't have to, to go, go sixty yards. Yeah, and, and just... you're going to have five something minutes left to do that. Yeah. So. They had to have a stop right there, so give the defense credit. When they had to get yeah. it, they got the stop. They got that stop, and they forced the field goal on the A.J. Rose fumble that had, mm-hmm. gave them a short field right. as well. Those were huge, huge stops by the defense when otherwise Fuente really had them on their heels with tempo all day, but the defense rose to the challenge when they needed and gave Bowden an opportunity to orchestrate that final drive. And I know you're currently working on a very detailed post mm-hmm. on all of it, but first and foremost, that play on fourth down, not the fourth and one. I'm talking the fourth early. and seven. Oh, yeah, that one. There's an early one, too, where it's fourth and one. Before you even get to that, Kentucky had only got one first down so far. So they're still on, like, the 40, they're on 30. Something like that, yeah. And they run a speed option, and Bolden has to Just, cut it up. And plow forward and find a way to get a yard. So it, it does was, that. It was very mm-hmm. Tennessee-esque. In right, that it was. Virginia Tech played well. And by the way, they kept trying to run that dumbass option play to the to the nub side, and Virginia Tech was played it perfectly every single time. I don't know why Eddie kept running it. He was running it like he, they saw something on film that they liked, and Virginia Tech never bit on it. And I think that was the same thing that they did on that fourth down. Regardless, Bowden stuck his nose down and got the first down. Mm-hmm. But the big one. Fourth and seven, and you're just uh, the only. That was probably the only time of that entire last drive that I was like, "How the hell are they going to get this?" You right. Know? And they had that was a tough spot when he started scrambling right, and I saw I think it was Ashby. They had two dudes spying Bowden, like just don't let him scramble, make him throw it. Well, on the two big touchdown runs that Bowden had, they were both draws on third and long. Yeah, because oh, and you. To, especially from where we were sitting, the 61-yard one. I mean, mm-hmm. you could see the Red Seas yeah, party parted. before. It was like there was nobody in the middle of the field. Um, and then on Bowden's interception, I think, 
the he, right opened up and he could have. I, I don't know what he, he was. Like. He just was looking moonwalk for twenty yards. Wagner, right? Um, but anyway, the fourth down with Ali. You just I saw both linebackers shifting right when he was trying to see what he could get out of that, and there was there was nothing there. And while the linebackers are following him from the inside, Ali is cutting in from the outside. Right. And the thing that uh, like makes sense, uh, like re- like it would be a reasonable thing for a fan, just Joe Schmo, be like, well, why don't they roll out Bowden more for a run pass option? He can he has he can either run it and scramble, or he can throw it. The thing is, he's terrible at throwing on the run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has to really set his feet and get everything he has into it. And he did this time, though. Mm-hmm. It was it was one of those where it was like, oh, man, this has to be perfect. And it was a perfect throw. I mean, he really did thread the needle, and Ali made. He made a great catch. Best play of his career by far. It was a hell of a catch. And you're just like, all right, well, they're winning this damn ball game now. Like, right. Nothing can stop him now. It was a great performance for Josh Ali. I think he had five catches for 80 yards. One was a jet sweep where he got a chunk play, 20 yards. I think he ran it twice, yeah. That catch there to extend the drive, and then, of course, the catch at the end. Mm-hmm. A huge game for him for a guy that's probably going to take Bolton's spot in the slot next year when Terry takes back over. Mm-hmm. So just a huge performance from him. And in that drive, they didn't get a chunk play. They only the that nineteen yard touchdown was the first play over thirteen yards in that drive. Really? Yeah. It was just a grinded out slowly but surely get down the field. Oh man. And on Bud Foster Day. <laughs> now Nick, you didn't see the broadcast. Yeah, that but Twitter I was, was, I'm sure I was, was letting you know. And the live I, blog was letting you know. It was the Bud Bowl. Ball, you know, all things considered. I was calling it Bud Foster Day. Just Bud Foster Day, and man, they show they kept showing him during that drive, and you could just see it on his face. He's like, "God bless." They just got the best dude on the field. <laughs> yeah, and and what made it even more special is that, like, as much as they are emphasizing how great Bud Foster is, he had a month to get ready to stop one guy. And no matter what that guy did, he couldn't – because Bowden had a counterpunch for every single thing that they did. Now, uh, with that offensive line, this offense is just tough to stop with a dynamic guy in Lynn Bowden that can do so much, so many different things. And then with that offensive line, they are they are just hard to stop. They're a meat grinder. Mm-hmm. Uh, a rolling ball of butcher knives. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Eddie Grant. Right. But – and Grand does a really good job of mixing stuff up, and the all the wrinkles he's added in with that QB run game, I think, has been really impressive. Those, especially like we mentioned earlier, those QB draws were right, I mean, just wide open. They haven't really done that this year. The, did you notice, the draws they had done were real, were kind of quick. They, these were kind of more delayed. Did you notice how much of like just Lynn standing and letting like in the backfield waiting for his guys to? Mm-hmm. Get there. Have, it felt like it took longer than normal in this game, and I'm not sure exactly why. They worked a lot of the time, but I found myself being like, "Just go!" Like, <laughs> st- well, I think still. against Virginia Tech, they're more of an aggressive defense, so they were probably trying to use some of that aggressiveness and some of those stunts against them. Get out of their position, right? Now, so the third and two, 
I actually missed watching this play because I got lost in the stadium trying to find my way to the field. So I missed third down when they had to call a timeout after Chris Rodriguez didn't get it. Fan of that call or no? The Wildcat? Yeah. With Rodriguez on I th- third down. I, th- I thought it was smoke. Pretty sure it was smoke. I could be wrong. Either way. No, I didn't love it. I think at that point you – you're just riding Bowden so much. I get he was probably tired, but I I would have kept with him, or at least use a traditional run game with him as a decoy. Yeah, just to like hold a defensive end. And even in especially in smoke, I don't smoke and Rose both. I don't love them in those short yardage situations. Um, it was none other than it was smoke. You yeah, were correct. So yeah. they had the wrong back in there, and then they don't use. <sighs> And I think Stoops probably got – I think he got upset with Grant about that. I think that's what he was yelling about. Not for sure, but – That's probably what it was. But then Bowden gets it on fourth and one. Time's rolling. Uh, He, like you said, he gets out of bounds. And then you've got the play. And while this is happening, I'm sitting on the sidelines. I got Big Blue Drew to my left. I got Mitch Barnhart to my right. (laughs) And – so when they got that first down on the fourth and the heavy short, hitters, the thing that kills me about the Big Twelve replay process is that they just refuse to spot the ball before they decide. Like they just won't spot it until they decide if it's worth replaying or not. Mm-hmm. So like, Mitch is like, "This is great. This is like a timeout. You know, like you give chance for Lynn to rest." And he was right. Like, all right, you're gonna wait to spot the ball. Let Lynn catch his breath. Then ends up paying off. He's able to get out of bounds, and then. When just he plays hero ball and hero ball has it, it, it often doesn't work unless you're as good as Lynn Bowden. But big time players make big time plays and big time games. And like so many times before, he went over to Coach Stoops and said, Let's do this. Missouri, he said, Put me in a put me in and turn the punt. He returns the punt. He, he, he tells all the coaches for a week, Hey, let, let me try quarterback. Look what happens. Now he goes to the sideline. He says, let's throw it up to Mod. Let's do this. Stoops was quick in the press conference to be like, oh, no, we were going to do that all along. It's like, Mark, just prop up your boy. Let him take his right. credit. Because what happens is Lynn knew what would happen if he stared down a Mod. He knew that everybody, like, that was the time that you call the Wagner play, you call the fade. Before the play, he tells Ali, we're not doing double fades. We're going to do a post. He stares down Wagner. Everybody and their brother, they got the safety. That safety was basically guarding. I mean, he, they right. basically had Wagner doubled. There was nobody on that side of the field. And Lynn just gives him one, two, floats it up there. Ollie runs under it. Game, set, match. It's freaking awesome. It was. <laughs> it was It was it awesome. Was. And, like, the crowd – Oh man, it UK it was in the UK's end zone too. Right. Oh man. It was perfect, didn't he? Mitch was oh Mitch was losing his mind. I bet. <laughs> it was great. It was it was absolutely perfect. And uh of course afterwards he's just y'all said I couldn't throw. <laughs> it just it was like I think Jeff Drummond said this. It was like a movie, like a great movie, and then ends in a way you totally didn't see coming with the throw yeah. to win the game. 
Like, you knew that it was going to end a certain way. Right. But you didn't know how they were going to go about it. Right. It's like kind of like knowing that Anakin Skywalker is going to become Darth Vader, but you just don't know how, but you need to see it happen. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, that was pretty cool. You know? Pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. It was an outstanding bowl game. I think it was one of the best bowl games of this season, and I can't remember a more exciting bowl game UK has ever played in. Yeah. When they beat Clemson that first year with Rich Brooks, that was pretty exciting. But that was similar to the Penn State game where they got a big lead early. Mm-hmm. The other team kind of came back, and then they held them off in the end. Right. This one from the jump was back, back and forth, and Kentucky – with the way they've played, they're they're usually winning kind of these defensive slugfests, mm-hmm. you know, seventeen, thirteen, whatnot. But this one was a shootout, and they had to win a shootout. And I think for this program to move forward and to keep evolving and keep climbing the ladder, they're going to have to win games like this. And we saw a few years ago, fourteen, they lost a game like this, forty-four, forty to Louisville. But then we also saw them in large action beat them. In a shootout. Mm-hmm. And I, in Mississippi State that year, beat them in a shootout. But the last couple of years, that just hadn't been in the cards. Right. But this year, or to see that with a team that's going to return in a lot of people, I think it, I think that can be a good building block. Even though Bolden is 95% responsible for a lot of it, I right, think just right. being in that being in that type of game and winning that type of game, I think, can be good for the team. Well, and to have the uh, mental fortitude to, like, you know, we're, we're going to win this game. And uh, I, I think that's what – especially, man, like I said on that final drive, the only time I was really worried and I wasn't confident that Kentucky had the stuff to go down there and win it was that fourth and long when you're just like yeah, – Fourth and seven, yeah, and it's in the, it feels like a mile in this offense. Exactly. But I, I think some fans might have even uh, – on the second turnover, when Kentucky had two straight turnovers, I think there was some fans who were like, oh, God, we're going to give up 30. There's not enough time to come back. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that after seeing Kentucky win games like this, just over and over, over the last two, three years in the Mark Stoops era, really since Grand got here, the last four years, because that's been the most successful part of this run, the psyche is just completely different. It just is. You know, instead of like, well, here we go. It's like, here we go. Let's do this. It's it's just it's, Let's go it's win. different. Yeah, and uh, you you see the confidence in the players, seeing the coaches, and it's so much more fun. Mm-hmm. And it also makes it to where you're you're able to overcome adversity. And my number one guy for that in this game was Brandon Eccles, because our boy, he's been probably the most consistent. DB this year? He got picked on a little bit. Yeah. Even that, that last three and out, that was oh, he got, yeah, uh, was, that was, was his guy, job. and he was open, and it, he just dropped it. And that fade, they talked about going to this game, 50-50 balls, 50-50 balls. He even turned his head, you know, and it's like, dude, where, where are you at? The next drive, they run the jet sweep right at him. He can't shed his blocker. Like, it was some very – Right. Like – He missed the tackle on a, another big run. It's like, where, are you okay, dude? Like, what's – something going on, and – Bowden said he went up to him after the game. He was like, you know, people get paid millions of dollars to get beat. Like, you're good. So, what does he do that last play? Yeah, it was good for him to see him end it that way. Dude, Fuente, that's a hell of a play they had drawn up. Like, mm-hmm. to be able to have, I think it was three laterals before they got it back to Hooker. And then, because what it does, it just draws everybody in. 
luckily you had somebody with the presence of mind like Eccles to kind of slowly, slowly track, 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 pounce, and then hit hooker. If Brandon Eccles doesn't, if he if he messes around and doesn't just smack hooker, force the fumble, and right picks up and score, there are four or five lead blockers and the other side, yeah. a Virginia Tech wide receiver just waiting for the ball on the other side from a pass from his quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was a very well designed play. But Eccles, he stayed engaged, he stayed involved in the game, and like you know how DBs are, they're a cocky bunch. It would have been oh, easy. Yeah. It would have been very easy for him to just. No, no rearview mirror. You can't have a rearview mirror and playing he didn't. that position. And I'm just, uh, you know, that's one of those where you tip your cap to him. You tip your cap to Cash. Yeah, great. This is the best game since Florida. You tip your cap to AJ Rose. Yeah. It was good to see Rose really bounce back in these last couple games of the season. He went through that UT Martin game after that fumble against Vanderbilt. Not. I don't think feeling a lot of confidence. He had a big touchdown run there, followed it up the next week with a good game against Louisville, and then really should have had a buck fifty. Well, yeah, eleven carries for a buck, you know, a buck forty, buck thirty. Yeah. Instead, I think he had ten for sixty nine. Nice. Nice, real nice. Um, but yeah, I think it was right good here. to see him. Yeah, he finished back. with yeah ten for sixty nine. Man, great memory. And you would have tagged on like sixty five to that. Right. In a touchdown. But, yeah, happy for A.J. Rose. I know going into the game, there was a lot of, like, you know, I don't his name isn't in the transfer portal, but a lot of people kind of expected it, um, you know. Just so, judging from social media, it doesn't seem like he's a guy that's looking to leave. Right. Some of the tweets I've seen from him after the game. So, you you know, and I think going into it, there, that was maybe not the case. So, and with Terry next year, he's going to be more, I guess, weaponized would be the word because of how he can catch the ball out of the backfield. We saw earlier in the season they were throwing to him a lot, and mm-hmm. that, that totally went out the window whenever Bolden took over. Yeah, those touch passes are hard to throw. Right. Um, but I was ex- excited for Rose in that nobody fr- – Rose and Cash, those two guys who are, you know, they're they're in their fourth year. They're, they're senior. I mean, Rose is a red shirt, but Cash is a senior. And those guys, the last month or so of the season, if I was, you know, cussing under my breath in the press box, it was usually at those two guys. They still had a couple moments in this game. Mm-hmm. Like, you had – like, that's why I want to – you got to tip your captain Fuente. He knew when to catch – he caught Kentucky in their base a couple times when they were big. They had Cash in, and they just were hitting the edges, and it was like, Hell, what you do, you know? But even Cash, he got out on the perimeter one time and made a tackle in space. It was a hell of a tackle. That was a That's great what we've play. Been waiting on all year, but yeah, both those guys had moments this year, like individual moments where they kind of got exposed a little bit. And Rose, ro- did, he the, did. He does that thing where he just hits like three guys blocking. It's like, dude, you got to cut off of them. You can't just like sit behind the Rose run against Florida, fourth and short, the fumble. Return for touchdown against Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Cash, where he runs into the dirt when he had a sack against Arkansas. Oh, and then just some other missed tackles he had. He had a third down missed tackle against Louisville, where it would have been, I think, a three and out in Louisville. I think it was their first drive when they go down and score. So they've had both had individual moments where they've kind of come up short. But in that game, outside of Bolton, there's an argument to be made that they were the second and third best players for Kentucky. Yeah. And then if I were going to go in order after that, I was pumped. TJ or not T, Calvin Taylor got another sack. sack. Now, calls by Boogie. 
that was uh, well and Virginia Tech they only needed what twenty more yards to score. Yeah, I was getting close. I mean that kicker, they had a hell of a kicker. Mm-hmm. I, really I, I I respect kicker so much more in the last like three years, especially watching and the ones he kick. I mean they they were no doubters. Like, yeah, they weren't even close to being off. Damn it, he finished one sack behind Jonathan Grenard. Mm-hmm. Calvin did eight and a half on the year, but I was happy to see him get one. Which he Calvin's just like one of my favorite players because he's a guy that I would like interview when he was just like I was like, dude, this guy's like a six nine defensive tackle. What the hell? I got to talk to him. I got to figure this guy out. And he's just like one of the greatest dudes. He talks trash to. After the game, he was like, you know, they they're the ones doing a lot of talking. You really want to talk to us? Right. Like, right. I just Vince. Oh, Vince Marrow too with the. Uh, they weren't doing a lot of talking after the game. <laughs> he loves oh. it, man. He loves oh, it. Oh, man. Um, but big games for a lot of guys. And one thing. On kind of way out. I think that game solidified that from a national media perspective, Lynn Bowden was the most popular football player Kentucky's had since Lorenzen. Like, they've, we've, Kentucky has never really had. A, they talked about Benny and Josh, but not in this light. Yeah, the, the – this is – now, I, I know a lot of people probably don't follow the same kind of circles we will, but Lynn Bowden won the People's Heisman. Right. Which, if you all don't follow SB Nation, national stuff, they're probably the most popular college football internet outlet. Probably the most college football outlet, period. Banner Society. Um, I know, obviously, you've got SEC Network and stuff like that where they're going to profile them and stuff. We had Benny Snell features where he's got the mouthpiece, and we had Josh Allen stuff. But Lynn Bowden, the absurdity of him being shirtless and punching a dude in the face and then running 300, getting 300 yards and three touchdowns right down Bud Foster's throat. Like, leading the SEC in rushing in eight games. He was only, how far was he from the single season record? He was close to Kentucky's single season record. Mo Williams has a record. I think he's at like 1,700. And Benny, so, I think, had 14. Yeah. Or, excuse me. His junior Lynn year. Bowden had like 14. Lynn Bowden ended up in 13-something, 13. Uh, we can look it up here in a second. I'm Still pulling finished it up right now. leading the team in receiving yards. I'm pulling it up right now. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> After not playing. Okay, here, here are the records. Mo Williams, 1,600 yards in 1995. Number two is Lynn Bowden Jr., 1,468 yards in 2019. So, you're pretty much, if they go to, to him, if the bye hits a week earlier, you know what I'm saying, and they, he gets one more game under his belt, he he more than likely leads the team in rushing. If he doesn't have to play the best run defense in college football, Georgia, mm-hmm. he most likely, you know, has a single season record. That's what kind of year he had. He had an unbelievable run. We've never seen an eight game run like that. It's a, it's, it's, and I just hope people that saw it, I think everybody enjoyed it at the end, but I just hope you enjoyed the entire run and how good that was. And, even and then four straight games. Now, we know about the defensive streak, the 30-point streak, but now the offense has a four-game 30-plus point streak. Ooh. I was really Ever happy they Tennessee, held him Vanderbilt, too. UT Martin, Louisville, Virginia Tech. Really happy they held him to at 30. 30, yes. We keep, <laughs> we keep, <laughs> we keep keep that going. Streak right, yes. And I was going to give TJ hell because he was just talking about how much he loved that streak. It was like his new uh, three-point <laughs> point streak. streak. <laughs> it's like, dude, TJ, shut the <laughs> hell up. Like, Classic KRC curse. Um, yeah, and we're going to have much more time to talk about the season that was um, and kind of previewing next year.
But we do got to clean up some stuff that just happened in the last week. Because mm-hmm. in, in in all reality, that week since like where did December and like for the last five weeks just pew pew pew. It flies by, man. The whole football season just goes by so fast. I just I didn't like thinking about like football going away because we had a great wild card weekend too, man. It the wild like, card weekend yes, we was did. great to like. You know, kind of new. It feels like all. just yesterday I was on this first episode saying Joe Burrow is just a gritty quarterback, and that's all I think he can be. <laughs> <laughs> now he threw eighty-eight touchdown passes and won the Heisman. So here's a here's a when it comes to dudes like Joe Burrow and Tua, who who was who wisely said he's going to enter the draft. He talked about like, are we ever going to see a season like this again? Like we've got to see more, right? Like they keep like one upping. If you look at all the the best numbers quarterbacks have had, they've all happened within the last decade and a half. Yeah, so like they I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. Like, is the Big Twelve gonna finally figure out how to play defense? No. Like, you know, like it's not just gonna all well, of a sudden happen. Well they I think college football the rosters are getting more top heavy at some of these big schools. they were just they were like look at Clemson's recruiting class this year. It's just absurd. It's like five five stars. They've got the number one player at like four different positions. Yeah. Stupid. And so, you think like at what point is Clemson just like? Do you want some of our players, guys? Like, come on, ACC. Like, it's the first. This is a streak I'm interested to watch develop. Like, Clemson's going to lose a game eventually. I think they're at 29 straight wins. Mm-hmm. But we need to look out. What is the biggest conference winning streak? Because Clemson is at like this could be some UCLA stuff. Right. You know, like one of those, like the UK home winning record uh-huh. that can rup where it's like 12 years without a loss. Like they could destroy that, whatever that conference winning streak is. Because who's beating them in that league? Man, like something catastrophic would have, have to happen. And now they have a backup for Trevor Lawrence next year because they got the top quarterback. Oh, like um. DJ Ugalele or something like that. Yeah, yeah. He looks, I, he's skinny Jamarcus Russell. He can throw it about 85 <laughs> yards. I uh, I don't I can I'm trying to rattle my brain like I, the Virginia Tech team that was a pretty good team they're going to be pretty solid next year now they've they're got not a, in their division right no so like that I could see them being the top of the next year next year though because mm-hmm. Hooker is good and yeah they'll be they they'll they'll be a preseason top twenty five team Virginia Tech I'm, try, I'm trying to think of like who else could even be like. Up in that pecking order, because Scott and his tots, they got a long way to go, but they're going to win some no. games. If Mac Brown keeps recruiting and they got Sam Howell, they can make a run these next couple years. Yeah, it. But you're right. Like what? That's what I'm getting. Florida State, Mike Norvell, and Miami and Manny Diaz. Those are the only two that are within their stratosphere on the recruiting side. Manny Diaz. But we saw how Did he they, hired an offensive coordinator, Brett Lashley, the uh, SMU offensive coordinator. He used to be Gus Malzahn's offensive coordinator. Okay. Okay. I like that hire. And then Florida State, I like Mike Norville. I think eventually he will be do well there. He's recruiting well for what so far. I mean, time. he's getting the bump. We're gonna. Have, I want to see a full class. What he can do in a full cycle. Right. Whatever he puts together right now is just a hodgepodge bunch. It's what you can do in a full. But that's what I'm getting at. Like in that ACC, it's hard to see somebody no. beating them. Scott Stotts ain't doing it. No, no, not anytime soon. Um, now they did beat Mississippi State, which. Folks, I don't know if y'all understand how much Adam Luckett and I are looking forward to discussing the fallout from the Egg Bowl. It's just, it's it's still here. The we, Egg Bowl fallout. Do still we here. realize 
what Elijah Moore's fake dog piss, the <laughs> chain of events that this thing set off. God. Matt Luke was not getting fired until that guy hiked up his leg. <laughs> well, and Joe Moorhead was going to get fired, fired if he like, but they won that game, so like, oh, I guess we got to keep him around. So that brought Lane Kiffin back in the SEC. We've already got Lane Kiffin doing Lane Kiffin things. Oh God, he got DJ Durkin. Yeah, DJ Durkin. For oh. those that don't know, he's head coach at Maryland, former defense coordinator for Muschamp at Florida. He was the one who got fired because a player died, and they had. The this, investigation, and he they they didn't do what they were supposed to. Long yeah, story short, yeah, yeah, they were doing some hardcore, like, right. just some. It was some dumbass hardo right. football. Like I'm just a badass. Do as I say. So you got Lane Kiffin doing Lane Kiffin things after the Mississippi State game. Joe Moorhead gets up there, says, "This is my program. They're gonna have to drag my Yankee ass out of here." <laughs> while they're sh- while they're moving the Egg Ball Trophy closer yeah. to him, so it's in the frame. <laughs> yeah. And then, so I think what that Kiffin, you know, they fire they fire Luke, who's now Georgia's offensive line coach. They hire Kiffin. That immediately puts pressure on Moorhead. Immediately. Immediately. And then what does he immediately do? So, so what they do, they go, during bowl prep, they open it one versus ones. That's what they were doing in bowl prep. They were going one-on-ones and beating the shit out of each other. Of Excuse course. Well, that's that's the Mississippi State kind of. And so uh, we're just one on ones. We're gonna we're gonna beat each oh, other up. Bo Bound said this on Feinbaum, who's kind of like the Mississippi guy. Uh-huh. He said that, like, he kind of insinuated that the coaches wanted some rough housing. Like after the whistle, they wanted you know to play with an edge or whatnot. Yeah. So there was no one really there to stop it when it got bad, I guess. <laughs> so his best defensive player, Willie Gay Jr. Who had the picks against Wait, Kentucky? It was Willie Gay Jr. Mm-hmm. See, I never knew that the player's name came right. out. Willie Gay Jr. was one of those suspended guys. Right, really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he just announced he's going to the NFL. He'll get drafted. He he also had he got kicked out of the game that they brought him back to mm-hmm. play in for was it two unsportsmanlike? likes? Yeah, one of the games he did. I think it was against Auburn. And he got kicked out of the Kentucky game too. Yeah, that's right. Was Tar- it target? Tar- yeah, it was two unsportsmanlike because he. He threw the ball or spiked it after his touchdown, and then he, there was offsetting, uh, I think, with him and Stenberg. <laughs> yeah, he got thrown out of that game. I forgot about that. Well, anyway, he punches Garrett Schrader and breaks his orbital bone. <laughs> so then you have that happen, and then the Music City Bowl happens. They really get their ass kicked by Louisville. Yeah, and Tommy F- F- Stevens, dude, is just and I brought up so bad. I brought up Keaton Thompson in one of my tweets and Mississippi State fans – Dove all into my mentions, talking about I don't understand why he's not playing. Yeah, blah 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 blah. Se- Fire him. Seriously, average Joe. Oh, average <laughs> Joe. That's a good nickname. Now, so Joe Moorhead ultimately, how many days after? It wasn't short. It wasn't very long after I mean, the game. The day after the game, it was leaked out that you know he might not survive. And then, and then it was a day the, after that he got fired. More, yeah, so it happened pretty quickly. I think um, it was New Feldman had New Year's a tweet. Day. At night, and he was fired the next morning. Right. And it's like, oh, wow, they weren't messing around. And essentially, A, people – I saw somebody put it. They've been they've been firing – Mississippi schools will figure it out when they quit hiring and firing football coaches based on the Egg Bowl. Mm-hmm. That Egg Bowl is – it's the golden goose. <laughs> like, they've been chasing it forever. And it, it had John Cohen and gave him some cloudy judgment. But – 
I think that just whole Joe Moorhead is the most it's it's such a weird situation because historically he's great. Like con- compared to other Mississippi State coaches. He beat Ole Miss twice. Oh yeah. He was with a eight or nine wins last year. Eight and four regular eight season. And four eight and five. And I think well, they all- lost to the Outback Bowl to Iowa were upset. Yeah, and then they go six and six this year. So he's he was five hundred, I think, overall. He was fourteen and thirteen. Okay. 12, 14 and 12, 14 and 12. Now, the problem with Moorhead, A, his, he's a Yankee ass. And that, that was going to be hard to overcome. Now, he did have, like, if you're going to get a Yankee, you got to get somebody from Pittsburgh. So, it was you know, he's a Yenzer. Well, he is from Pittsburgh. That's what I mean. Like, he's at least like a Yenzer. Right. So, it was like, all right, we'll, we'll try this guy out. So, he had that going against him. But it was the, the sins of the father that he was judged by. Because Dan Mullen. Best coach they've ever had. The biggest issue with Moorhead, and we had a lot of hot takes out there after he got fired about that, about he's the best, like how can Mississippi State, right, with right. their history, fire him. But Dan Mullen left behind the best defense in the country with that defensive line, those safeties, those linebackers. There were pros all over that defense. There was Jeffrey three first round picks. Montez three first round picks. Who is Jonathan it? Abram? Yeah, for the Raiders, hard enough. Right. They were studs, and then you had Nick Fitzgerald on offense. Then yes, then you had uh, well, not only that, a really good offensive line. Who they had? He plays for the Packers now. His name I'm drawing blanks on his name. He was Elkton Jenkins was their center last year. He's one of the Packers' best offensive linemen. Then this year, Daryl Williams and Tyree Phillips. I think both of those guys are going to the Senior Bowl. So right there, that's three good offensive linemen they had. And then you add in Kylan Hill, who. Should have led the SEC in rushing this year until he got hurt against Louisville. So you had all these pieces on offense and that defense that gave up less than 10 points a game. He gave up less than 10 points a game, this offensive guru, and they somehow found a way to lose five games that first year. So that automatically, and then losing to Mullen, who had an inferior roster yeah, at home, and you're only scoring six points. That's tough. And then Fitzgerald looking bad, a senior quarterback who's played, you know, had probably had 40 starts under his belt. Moorhead did not – like, he could have propped Nick Fitzgerald up better. And and the thing is – is Well, he was stubborn wanting to run his offense when he had a power spread attack, and that's really what they should have leaned in on, and they, they didn't. Yeah, and what I heard about Fitzgerald going into is that, like, Mullen – worked wonders with him by making things easy on him. Between the years, not the guy that's going to go up to the line of scrimmage and make all these calls and do all this kind of thing. Right. Just kind of keep it simple for him. Moorhead didn't do that. But on the other hand, it, it, it's like, are you going to do better with this next guy? Because that's, that's that's usually why I'm a bigger proponent. I don't of think like, it mattered because that was always going to be a tough spot for anybody. And you kind of need to unify people. And I think the only right, real reason to do that is fire Moorhead because he's he's he was walking into a lame duck well, year three. Counter you 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 just don't don't wait and get in the coaching search when you should be getting in the coaching search. That's where they right. really messed yeah, up absolutely. because of the egg ball. They shouldn't let it all react. goes back absolutely. to that damn egg ball. Mm-hmm. And now they're sitting at a spot where egg ball twenty twenty twenty. 
Egg Bowl 2020. Thanksgiving night. It could be like uh, Blade Runner 2049 or whatever, except just on And both teams 4-7. And, and Lane Kiffin versus Todd Grantham. Mm-hmm. I, I want that so bad because – I can just picture Grantham's red face. Like, both of them very cherubic throughout the game. Just red face, sweating, screaming. And Grantham just blitzing, like, nonstop. Just like, you know what? Give me liberty or give me death, damn it. We're blitzing until Kiffin's ears falls off. (laughs) Like, oh, they got a big play. I don't care. We're going to blitz some more. I just, and then Grantham flicking him off. <laughs> God, I just, I want it so, uh, no, so I, bad. I know, I want it too. Because, so for the, eternity, just give me, that's <sighs> my egg bowl. And, and really, I just want SEC media, day one, to have Lane Kiffin, Ty Grantham, and Sam Pittman. Oh, man. <laughs> and to have Bob Holt drill them all. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes, you just have like them like sitting at a table and Bob Holt just and like then little Eli Drinkowitz over there having to come up last. What a dork! <laughs> oh, he's definitely going last. There's no doubt in my mind he is up last next year at SEC Media Days. But so uh, TJ uh, Walker, who I do radio with every day, Kentucky Roll Call seven to nine, Big X Sports Radio. He was like, "Oh man, Grantham, that'd be a good hire for them." I was like, "What?" It- it all depends on staff, right? Because he like what is like what he seems like a guy that was a life or coordinator. So like, because, what kind of I, offensive coordinator can he get? I think especially because of his personality, right? Like he, him and Bobby notoriously hate each other. Now it's easy to understand why people hate Bobby Petrino, but like going back to Georgia with Kirby Smart, who's by all accounts a nice guy, there's friction there. I mean, that's where we got third and Grantham, too. Fans absolutely hated him because he would, you know. Mark Rick, yeah. He was yeah. with Rick. Who did I say? I said Kirby. Kirby. I, but I, you meant Rick. I was, nice guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was picked, you know, names. Yeah. Um, got a little going a little too fast there. But I just can't see this dude as a head coach. And that's why I want to. Just like Sam Pittman. How, he's a head coach. But, like, yeah, exactly. But Pittman put, is putting together a damn strong staff. Yeah. Or he has put together a really strong staff. Tur- With Grantham, it's going to be the same thing. Like, what kind of staff can he put together? And if he if that's the guy, we don't know it. We could get out of here and they hired Skip Holtz. Which, but we haven't we haven't heard of names that like would make sense. The one that terrified me the most was Jeff Monken. I did not did not want him at Mississippi State running the triple option, mm-hmm. even if it was modified triple option. I don't want that. Like that is just. Mark, uh, the trip to Starkville is an L. Mm-hmm. You get Todd Grantham in there. It's Wild Wild West. You know, who knows what you're going to get when you go to You know my rule in the SEC rule book. Yeah. It's a unwritten rule. No triple option. I get it. But, man, Munkin made sense. The dude at Louisiana made sense. Um, there, Sark is another option I've seen floated out there. Oh, man. That'd be fun. Could you, Steve Sarkeesian versus Lane Kiffin in the Egg Bowl. Just the two Southern California assistants. boys down in God. the deep south. I love that one of their guys who was like a head candidate is like, yeah, I could go back to my alma mater or I could coach the New York Giants. Yeah, I'm going to go to New York City. Yeah, he leveraged the hell out of that. <laughs> for sure. Which, how many times has there ever been, like, those are your options, or New York Giants or Mississippi State? 
That's yeah, you feel for they because they can't catch a break. It seems like here lately. Oh man, uh, I'd love for it to be since that guy pissed dog pissed. They haven't been able to catch a dog. Break. The PAT Lane Kiffin. <laughs> Gosh, your your will linebacker punches your quarterback in the face. You lose in embarrassing fashion in the Music City Bowl. You fire your coach. And publicly, their top two candidates, it looks like, Billy Napier. Turn you down publicly. Turn you down publicly. And then Joe Judge pretty much says, Sorry, alma mater. Deuces, I'm going to the New York football giants. Tough 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 times in Starkville. Tough sledding for the folks in Starkville. But to move on, you you mentioned the the bang-up job St. Pittman's doing, compiling his staff. Poaches, Derrick Block. From Kentucky staff, and um, a well, Blanc should be commended for being a heck of a ball coach at Kentucky. He did a great job with Kentucky's defensive line in the is it two years he was here? Three, 2017, Three 18, 19. Did a great job developing guys like Calvin Taylor, TJ Carter, Quentin Bohanna. Sucks to see him go. I don't know what the motives are other than a he's getting closer to Louisiana, and that and he hadn't really been able to recruit there. Since he's been at UK, and this is my guess. We don't know when all the contract stuff coming out, but I think he was due for a raise. It was set to expire his contract, so he he was going to have to get a big raise. And I don't think Stoops had the money to pay him. I think the money had to go to Brad White, maybe, probably eighty grand. So I, that, that's my guess. I don't know that for a fact, um, but he. And I'm sure he's probably going to get paid somewhere around four hundred fifty thousand dollars instead of two hundred fifty. He was the lowest paid person on UK staff. Yeah, which kind of surprised me, but he he's been there a while. And had but I mean, he him. came from North Texas. Really, when I look at it, that's the biggest thing for me. Was he doesn't have any connections to Pittman or their new D coordinator Barry Odom. From what I can tell, they he's never worked with any of them. Now their their offensive line coach, whose name is escaping me right now. I think it's Brad Davis, maybe. He and LeBlanc worked at North North Texas together. Okay. And then that guy went to, I believe, Florida, Missouri, before landing in Arkansas. So there's that connection. Of course, offensive line and defensive line coach are working together. Right. A lot. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was surprised by that. I'm surprised that that happened. And now you look at Kentucky, that's three big, you know, defensive coaches that have left since the end of – Last season, you had Matt House going to the Chiefs, and you had you know that con- we all forget about that contract negotiation stuff that went on with Kentucky and the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And then Dean Hood left for a head coaching job, FCS head coaching job, and now LeBlanc leaves for what seems like a lateral move or maybe even a step back because he's going to a rebuilding program where Kentucky, after ruling a big time D line class, has got to kind of got things rolling in the right direction. And when you look at next year's defense, that's, I think, the biggest question mark. I think they have bodies there, mm-hmm. but it's having well, proven playmakers. That's, that's how you spin it. You should be able to sell this job to right. a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's just finding the right tactician to be able to instruct these young guys. Because you got some fun tools to play with. Mm-hmm. But you just if you're Mark Stoops, this is, this is a big hire. And does he go after somebody with some recruiting chops like Summerall, like last year? See, and I – I don't think they need it as much as they just need a, a damn good ball coach mm-hmm. in there. Um, now, maybe with the hood position, you might see that, especially because, I mean, hell, Stoops has a lot of options he can do with hood departing because he could 
I mean, oh yeah, that's like the that's the swing position of the staff. That extra that was the tenth guy because right. White was initially the tenth guy, but he he moves up. Um, so they had Hood working with safeties and special teams. So like, I mean, obviously the special teams work well. Do they promote Matt Sakis or do they just say, hey, keep making sure our punters are punting well? There's a lot they can do with that. On defensive line, I know Anwar Stewart is a name thrown around. He's at App State. He used to play for UK. He played for UK. He came back, got his degree, was a GA for two or three years up until this season. This was his first season not at UK. So he was on the Citrus Bowl staff as a GA working with the D-line. And that App State defensive line played really well this year in his first season. I think also it's an easy name to drop as a candidate because, folks, let's be honest here. If you're going to act like you have a list of candidates for a defensive line position, like, come on. Like, if anybody would have one, it would be me. Yeah, I you know what I mean? I can't find like, one. It's, it's, it's hard for me to. It's tough. And how Stoops does these searches, they're pretty damn closed door. Yeah. We're not really on that. Now, we'll say this. Pete Jenkins was a longtime LSU assistant. Like, it's like Ed Orgeron's, like, closest buddy. Who LeBlanc served for. Uh, like He was a Pete Jenkins guy. Long story short, he's like – the technician, 3-4 technician master that Stoops and staff, they like to use a lot of his techniques, what he does. Defensive so line usually, So Brumball and LeBlanc were both kind of off his coaching tree, I guess you say. So uh, that that's a place to look. It's find, finding somebody that is, I guess, a, you know, a member of that. Mm-hmm. So there could be an LSU, like, off off the field staffer down there. Yeah. I could see that, in that happening. Role. Yeah. Right. So some I mean yeah. we'll, we we'll don't just know. have to stay and then, tuned. Like Hood, what are they gonna do with that? Do they do they need another second I mean they've got Stoops and Clean Scale. Do they need another secondary coach? Ed Reed? Ed Reed. <laughs> yeah, the, the the message board favorite, Ed Reed. Yeah. No, so, I do not think Ed Reed will come, but no, no, we'll, I don't think so we'll see. Yeah. I, that that's one where I think you do go get you do try to find is some there an old chops. Is there an old dog from one of Bob Stoops' old staff? That maybe Stoops wants to bring in, yeah. Or Mark Stoops, or Mike Stoops, still staff at Arizona. I, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I'm trying to think because we're we're gonna we're, now, we're getting a little long here. Special teams. I will say this. But now, I, now I say it. It's the guy that just got fired from EKU, but Muller just hired him. Elder Mark Elder, I yeah, think. Yeah, Mark Elder. He was a special teams guy for Butch Jones at Cincinnati and Tennessee. But the I elder guess that's that off, works for Muller. No, yeah, no. I guess that's off the table. Yeah, it's off the table now. Hey, you don't know. Um, okay, a few other talking points that we haven't got to since we've been out. Uh, guys coming back. Limbo, and pro- the only departer. I think Boogie. He hasn't said anything, but I don't think he's going to. At this point, technically, it's nine starters on offense, seven starters on defense. Quentin Bohanna announced he's returning, mm-hmm. going to play nose guard. I think he could have played his way into like a top three round this year, but he was dealing with injury kind of stuff. Um, that's big because you don't have to rely weird. entirely on bullet. It's like a weird position for the draft, too. Yeah, yeah. So that's set, and you've got four of your five on the offensive line returning. That's the fifth in the country, according to Pro Football Focus. All of your receivers outside Bolden, all of your running backs. Wagner, Terry Wilson Wagner's back in line. Oh, yeah, Wagner, too. Yeah. But other than that. Which I'm going to be interested to see his draft stock. That's something for talking down the road. Because somebody's Somebody gonna, could take a flyer on him in yeah. the sixth, seventh round. Somebody's yeah. going to fall in love with him, and they're not going to want to be in the free agent It could be pool. the Georgia Safo J pick where – we weren't expecting it last year, and yeah. then randomly in the seventh round, he they, comes but they off just the board. they don't want it. Somebody use a compensatory pick; they don't want to like 
fight anybody in free agency. Right. They just want to lock it up. Right. Because, like, I mean, you'll just randomly hear, oh, well, he played basketball, and now he's in the NFL. Like, dudes are good athletes. It takes them a little bit longer to click. And, hell, half of his senior season, when like, right when he was starting to figure things out, got cut short because yeah. the quarterback. That's the one thing for this season I think that sucked the most was that we didn't really get to see Wagner keep developing because right. he was on a kind of a meteoric rise there for a little bit. Yeah, and I wrote a whole thing about how I think Bowden's draft stock is going to go. I just don't see him as the – he's he's going to rise because of a coach liking what they can do with him, not because of what he's going to do at, in the test and all Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. He's not a – He doesn't even need to do any of that. My, no. They just got to watch his tape. You think he'll – he won't do pro day. You think he'll do – he'll do the NFL combine. Yeah, he'll though. do the combine. He'll run. Yeah, but – Still, he's not going to be like, oh my gosh, four three seven. He's not a. No, I mean he's going to be in the four sixes. Yeah, it's not going to be good. Kind of like when they were like, more like Benny Snail. If he hits four five nine, four five eight, that'd be a hell of a time, I think. Yeah, because he's all about acceleration, agility, and running dudes over. Because mm-hmm. he, and he's bigger too. Now than a short Marshall shuttle drill could be pretty good. He's got to be good at that in the L drill. Yeah, the three cone. Um, but I, I think he's going to be like some. You know, um, Kyle Shanahan. I don't think they, – they got Debo, so I don't think he would. He's – Bolton's what they call a gadget player. Yeah. So, like, Debo, Tavon Austin for the Cowboys. Yeah. McCole Hardman for the Chiefs. I can see Cardinals taking a flyer on where he, him. Where he's going to – Cliff yes, Kingsbury. Yes. Like, that, that That seems like a good fit. He's going to be a punt returner and a guy they can put in the backfield um, as a running back, line up at receiver – Bring him in motion on jet, jet and fly sweeps. A lot of those little toss kind right. of forward stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, you're uh, randomly wildcat every mm-hmm. once in a while. And like, oh, he's going to throw it. Or no, quarterback drill. Double pass. Yeah, yeah. It, it, Julian like Edelman kind of stuff. Yeah. So, ooh, maybe Patriots. They need receivers. They do need receivers. They need receivers. Bad. Bad. How much fun were those games this weekend? That's the most exciting I ever remember the wild card around me. Good games. Just all of them. I mean, hell, even the Eagles with Joshua Cowan had a chance to tie the game. Yeah, they ran it to the end. Yeah. So, that was a lot of fun. This weekend, I don't think they're going to be as good a game. So, like, I think – I think it's tight. We'll see, man, because, like, some of these – like, the 49ers, they've got a young roster. Like, this is going to be the biggest game. They On paper, they should handle the Vikings, but – you just don't know. I um, think this. I, I think this has the. I think these playoffs has a recipe of maybe like a six seed going on a run or having like kind of a random Super Bowl champion, because it's kind of wide open. Yeah, yeah. I tend to believe that it'll like like one of the like Rogers is the salty dog that's going to weather this. Where you got Breeze and Brady going out early. I got a feeling Rogers will salt it out, which is good for our boy Big Z. I think he's yeah, he's been balling. He's that, just probably the best player on that, or one of the best players on that team this year. Yeah, him and Preston Smith and Aaron Rodgers. Like if if Rogers just had like one more reliable target, I would be like, yeah, I think the Packers. Like yeah, yeah. their running back is pretty good. Because I, Jones. Can, I yeah, oh, he's been great as of late. Um, so it's going to be another exciting weekend of football, and it gets capped off Monday with the national championship and. I don't know about you, Adam Luckett, but I want Joe Burrow to – I want to be close at halftime. Just, But then it's going to be getting late, and I want Joe Burrow to throw for seven touchdowns. Just and, take over New Orleans? Yeah. I mean, hard for, hard for me to be, see them losing in New Orleans. Yeah, it's going to be 
LSU fans. Like Clemson, the only way Clemson got in is if they bought tickets before the game against Ohio State. Yeah, Clemson they beat Ohio State because of the guys wearing the headsets, most notably Brent Venables. So in this game, it's going to come down to, and it's not his game plan going in; it's kind of his adjustments as he moves on. Mm-hmm. Can he get the best of Golden Boy Joe Brady and Joe Burrow? I think that's the matchup to watch for because Trevor Lawrence is going to put up points against LSU's defense. It's going to be can they slow down that monster passing attack that LSU has. I'm surprised that we didn't – like I heard a little bit of Joe Brady scuttlebutt going elsewhere. I heard NFL coordinator buzz if they, somebody hired the Ravens defensive coordinator. Yeah. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen. I don't think so. Because there are any vacancies even – Browns are the only one open right now. And they, they're going to screw it up. They're, they're interviewing idiots. everybody. Yeah. Idiots. Just a bunch of idiots. <laughs> so what happens. Jimmy Haslam, connections to the Browns and the Vols. Huh. See, see, see any commonalities there? I do know Tennessee He's, is the blue bud of gifts, funny gifts. God, that just <laughs> from backwards hat guy to screaming oh, beard. The, the backwards to hat, Santa. The backwards hat guy had the disappointed girl behind him too, who like that, knew she was like, oh god, that was perfect. <laughs> Man, those those. That game was more entertaining for just crowd shot purposes because well, it was ugly as hell. You had Tennessee pissing down their leg, and then Indiana just hoosiered it in the fourth quarter. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Indiana lose that game probably 18 times in my life. God. That was hilarious. And, and then they, they had cha- – they, 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 like, Tennessee was down 13 with five minutes left. Indiana had the ball twice with a chance to win it in the end. Twice? Twice. That's how crazy that was. And then, of course, Jeremy Pruitt just hates his quarterback so much. He's just I don't know. He's just running in two different dudes at Wildcat. They got Ty Chandler in and uh, uh, Eric Gray. Yeah, I mean, just put Mar Mar in. Gar- Garantano. It, I guess he just like gets superpowers when he plays Kentucky. What? What? Yeah, looking that way, man. So that's annoying. He got hot there for two games at Kentucky, at South Carolina, Kentucky, Missouri. He had a little three-game run there where he's pretty good. But other than that, he just blah. I guess if Flacco can get hot and win a Super Bowl, I guess any quarterback can have their day and get hot and make a run. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. it doesn't extend over to next year. No, no, it won't. Tennessee sucks. That was hilarious. And also Tennessee Twitter, the worst. Still the worst human beings in the world. Lynn Bowden, still the best. The did Belk Bowl, you, did the you best see, bowl. Did you see Spurrier before the game? Yeah. He's <laughs> in the Gator Bowl Hall of Fame or whatever. Yeah, that was good. Then the Gator Chomp for all those Tennessee fans. And then Damian Harris, are we buying his – Dude, what, what? His what, – what, what is that? It's – I was going to the podium and everybody thought I was going to Kentucky. I even told my mom I was going to Kentucky. And then Please. I just felt – okay, I saw you cheering – we, I'm going to say this now because Damian Harris is a grown-ass man now. Yeah, he's a grown-ass man, so we can say this now. We couldn't say it back then. Like, two weeks before, you're over there cheering because um, whoever picked Alabama, uh, I think it was maybe Calvin Ridley or just whoever. And yeah. all, all, with Blake Barnett, you are over there, you know, yeah. chopping it up. So, you, you think we're supposed to believe that? Do you, do you know why I was at his commitment ceremony? Because we needed somebody from KSR to go. Right. If we thought he was going to go to Alabama – then Matt and Drew and the whole crew would have been there. They did a radio show from there, for Christ's sake. Right. <laughs> but they sent me because everybody knew and the brother that he was going to Alabama. I'm not buying that. Um, Damon, uh, he was in the recruiting process. As soon as Bama put on the full court press, he was going there. 
it's a fun, like, okay, so I get, like, you want to tell a good story, but, like, I feel like you're going out of your way for no reason to, like. Still string Kentucky along? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what? Did, just let it go, man. Yeah. Just, just but I'm not, yeah. Don't, I, I don't believe it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe someone can tell me I'm wrong, but I'm not, I'm not. I don't think anybody's second. telling you wrong besides Damian Harris. Right. Yeah. But I will tell everybody listening that we're going to come back next week. We ain't going nowhere, folks. There's going to be football to talk about. Now, I don't know how regular it's going to be. I'm just just, just warning everybody because I got a kid coming here in, I don't know, three, two months. It's We're getting down the stretch. So between that and, you know. We'll Roush is in the last trimester. Yeah. Now yeah. things get real. Yeah. Oh, it's it's getting really real. Like, she's not wearing regular clothes at all anymore. <laughs> like, it was, there was some time where it was like, oh, well, she, you know, she can wear my sweatpants. That's not happening anymore. So, it's getting real, but, you know, we'll, we'll figure it all out. But, for the most part, for your football needs, Luck and I will be holding down weekly throughout the offseason, getting together the football minds for the KSR Football Podcast. That'll be more irregular, um, but we'll still make that happen from time to time. So, just to kind of keep you, give you a heads up on kind of where things stand in the offseason. But football's We've only year just round. begun. Yeah, three hundred sixty-five day year sport. Man, gonna miss. Actually. And I think for you, all you listeners, we may have to use you all to help us create some content. Maybe. Yeah. If you would like a Q and A, maybe let us know. Ooh. If we could try that out. Or you know, we do like a football movie tournament or something like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. There's a lot of fun kind of things we can we can figure. We out. could do twenty nineteen plays. Do kind of a bracket like that. For Kentucky plays. The hard part is finding some of those on the internet. Like the good ones that are like under the radar. Yeah. You know? But yeah, no, we we, 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 we can find a way to do it. We're, we're going to find some content. You, you mark our words. We're going to find plenty of content. But in the meantime, uh, hold tight. Uh, we're doing a football cast and podcast this week as well. Uh, doing a lot of stuff. Enjoy this weekend of football. It's the last weekend. We're going to have five football games. Got the FCC, FCS championship Saturday so, noon. So six football games between uh, NFL divisional round and college football playoff. So enjoy it while you can, folks, because you'll be Johnson for this in four months. <sighs> yeah, it's, it's going to be brutal. It's going to be brutal. But it's been fun talking to everybody today. We'll be back again next week. For Adam Muckett, I'm Nick Roush. Go Cats. Go Cobra.